It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and it's Monday, which means you know exactly what time it is. It's bracket time. We've been prepping you guys all week, last week, getting you ready for the upcoming bracket. And because AM more than likely would have been playing in the NIT, we're going to follow that NIT bracket style. So, 32 athletes will enter the ring into four different regions. Those regions will then determine which ranking each player is. Eight players will go in. We'll work it all the way down to have a representative winner. Right now, we're going to start with our very first bracket. These eight players have a chance to go down in history as the greatest Aggie athlete of all time. Before we begin, just some housekeeping rules. Make sure you're following us on social media. First, make sure you're following us at Locked On Aggies. At Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related to the Locked On Podcast Network. You can check out all of our great work at LockedOnPodcast.com. Second, Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding everything involving Texas A&M. You can check out all of our great written content and work at SI.com slash T-A-M-U. And last but not least, if you want to follow the host, tell me what I'm doing right, tell me what you hate, tell me some things that I need to work on, some things that you maybe want to see improved, go check that out at, at Mr. Cole Thompson. It's really simple. My name is Cole Thompson. I am a mister. That's my name. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI. And last but certainly not least, at Locked on Aggies. All right, bracket time. Let's start off with our first representatives coming from the heavyweight division. These are players who I think definitely have the run-in to make it all the way to the finals. And we're going to see some really tough competition at the top. Definitely in that three through six range, I think can go either way. Just depending on how I feel their NFL or MLB or NBA careers have gone after that. So coming in at number one is Von Miller. Number two in this bracket, big shocker. A lot of people are not going to like this, but you'll understand why in a minute. Johnny Manziel. Number three, cornerback Kevin Smith. Number four, running back Travion Williams. Number five, probably the greatest basketball player in NBA history to come from Texas A&M. That goes to DeAndre Jordan. Coming in at number six, Ross Stripling. Number seven, the White Mamba himself, Alex Caruso. And number eight, We want to go keep it in the pack. We know that he's not left school yet, but he definitely, I think, has made an impact for his team. And that's going to be Asa Lacey of baseball. So why don't we break on into it? Let's start off with Asa Lacey and why he could pull the upset as the number eight seed to break down Von Miller. The Kerrville native was a three-year starter under coach Chris Russ, who was also an Aggie from 1998 to uh, 2001. He was named to the Class All-State First Team as a senior in 2017, as well as being selected to the THSBCA All-Star Game. Uh, Born in 1999 out of Bryan, Texas, his nickname Ace, really first name Asum, drafted by the Cleveland Indians in the 31st round of the 2017 MLB Draft with a 942nd overall pick. Instead, he elected to go to college and take his shot there. And since joining the 12th man, he's made an impact. 
His freshman year in 2018, he pitched in 23 games, including two starts, logging a 3-1 record with one save and a 2.75 ERA, with batting average opponents going up at 200, tallying 48 strikeouts and 39.1 innings. He also stranded 15 of 22 inherited runners, and he pitched out of the bullpen in nine games. But it was his second year, his sophomore year, the one where a lot of people started to garner his attention, that he started to make a name for himself. Started in 15 games for the Aggies as the team's number two weapon, he logged an 8-4 record with a 2-13 ERA, a 162 opponent's batting average, and 130 strikeouts in 88.2 innings of work, earning his first win against Fordham, striking out a career-high 11 batters. He would then go on to have a, another career-high against Kentucky, throwing six innings, allowing one earned run on three hits, and striking out 13. He was named the perfect game midseason All-American second team for his performance through the first half of the season and logging in a 5-0 record. But then you look at what he did in 2020. He started in four games for the Maroon and White, registering a perfect record of 3-0 with a 70.75 ERA, allowing .111 batting average opponents, and he tallied 46 strikeouts in 24 innings of work that means in every inning he at least had two strikeouts when you do the math down to it uh, almost perfectly it's like 1.92 or something along the lines of that but you look at his career he spits 38 games for texas a&m including 17 starts owning an 11 and 5 record with a 232 era batting average opponents it comes in at 0.174 and he has 178 strikeouts this is a guy that a lot of people I've spoken to around the baseball world believe is going to be the next big name pitcher to come to the MLB. He was already projected to be a top 10 pick in this year's MLB draft. And we're going to have to just rely on this because plain and simple, his season's over. We already know that. But when you look at the history, he's already one of the best pitchers to ever come through AM. Rob Childress has said that multiple times that he believes that Lacey is the guy who people are going to be talking about. And there's no denying that his success as the Southpaw for AM has kept them afloat over the past two seasons, especially in the regional round last year. It would have been really interesting to see if AM could have had a big time run in the SEC for the title. And what would have happened if they would have gotten a chance to go to Omaha? But then you have Von Miller. And it's not only what he's already done in college, but what he's done at the professional level with the Denver Broncos that makes him a number one seed. Uh, he was ranked the number 15 weak side defensive end in 2007 by Rivals.com, eventually deciding to attend Texas A&M. And since he arrived on campus, everything kind of went for him. For his career in four years with the team, he made four, He played in 47 games, tallied 104 total tackles, 50.5 for losses, and in his last two seasons registered double-digit sacks with 17 and 10.5 and in 2009 and 2010, respectively. He also picked up one interception, five pass deflections, uh, seven forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. He became a staple of what AM pass rush is supposed to be. And when you hear these other guys like Miles Garrett and uh, DeMarvin Leal and Tyree Johnson, they're basing their game off of, I think, what you saw in the final years of the Big 12 with Texas AM. 
He would be drafted in the first round, number two overall behind Cam Newton out of Auburn with the second overall pick by the Denver Broncos. And quickly, he became a household name. Since joining the NFL, he's had all but two years with double-digit sacks. In 2013, when he only played in nine games, and last season where he missed a game and he had eight sacks. For his career in nine years with the Broncos, He's tallied 489 tackles, 379 of those solo, 106 sacks, 25 forced fumbles, 8 fumble recoveries, 1 touchdown, 2 interceptions, 21 pass deflections, and he's learned how to play a new position. He was a straight-up defensive end. You put his hand in the dirt, 3-tech. He's been playing the stand-up position since going over to Denver, and he's been phenomenal. Some highlights for his career at both the NFL level and, of course, the college level. He won the Dick Buckus Award in 2010. He was a first-team All-American twice, belt in 2009 and 10. First-team All-Big 12 in those same years. He also won the Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2011. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler, a three-time first-team All-Pro, a four-time second-team All-Pro. So since 2011, he's been on the All-Pro list every year except for... 2013 which was his injured season he also helped guide Denver to the postseason in Super Bowl 50 leading that defense to defeat Carolina who was led by the number one overall pick Cam Newton and he took home the Super Bowl 50 MVP award I love Asa Lacey but I have all these stats sitting down of why Von Miller a productive player at the college level, and an even more productive player representing the 12th man at the NFL level is the guy here. So plain and simple, this is a for sure fire runaway. Von Miller will move on into the quarterfinal rounds to face off against another opponent. Who are the other six match, three matchups that we have to worry about? We'll be breaking down those in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat. Hey guys, let me ask you a quick question. Do you like great podcasts for the local listening fan by people who actually understand the sport that they are talking about? If so, why not download LockedOnPodcast.com? There's over two dozen college sports shows, plus we have everyone in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, and last but not least, helping your fantasy team improve. So go ahead and check out all of our great stuff at LockedOnPodcast.com. Moving right along with the run of the pack, why don't we just keep this going? We're going to start with our number two versus seven matchup. That will be Johnny Manziel versus White Mamba himself. The new White Mamba, let me rephrase that, or White Lightning or whatever you want to call him, Alex Caruso. Let's start with Alex Caruso. He is a native A&M fan. Not just because of his love for the Maroon and White, but also because of he's a native College Station member. Went to AM Consolidated High School where he played under head coaches Rusty Siegler and Brick German. As a senior, he averaged 18 points and 9 rebounds, was named to the TABC All-Regional All-State, as well as TABC All-Star and District MVP, leading his team to the postseason in his final year. After graduating high school, Caruso joined Texas A&M, staying at home, and he became a face of the program for a little bit while, for a little while under Billy Kennedy. 
In 137 games over his four-year career, he averaged 8 points, 4.7 assists, 2.0 steals per game, and finished as the school's all-time leader in assists with 649 and steals at 276. As a senior, he earned All-SEC Defensive Team and All-Second-Team SEC honors. So, again, you love the underdog story. This is one of those guys that you look at. After going undrafted in 2016, he has tried to make a career for himself at the NBA level. He joined the Philadelphia 76ers for the Summer League. He then signed with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but was weighed by them on October 17th. He was acquired by the Oklahoma City Blue in the NBA Developmental League. He then joined the Lakers in 2017 for the NBA Summer League, and he started in place of injured Alonzo Ball and led the Lakers to victory, signing his first two-way contract on July 13th, 2017. He would become the first player to go directly from the NBA D-League, which is now known as the G-League, to the NBA via two-way contract. So he has some history representing AM at the NBA level. And since then, he's played in a total of 62 games. He started in 11. He averages about 17.6 point, uh, minutes per game. He has a 43% shooting range, a 39% from the three-point range, a 76% free throw percentage. He's averaging 5.9 points per game. This past season before the year ended, he averaged 9.2 points per game, averaged at least one steal per game, averaged 2.5 assists, and 2.1 rebounds. Overall, I look at what I've seen from Caruso, and he's been the 12th man representative in the NBA. Not because of him going to Texas A&M. But the history of the 12th man is, of course, everyone knows. There was a kid in the stands. He was not supposed to play. They had too little of players. He suited up and got out of the stands to finish the game. That is the history of the 12th man. Sticking up and never quitting. Alex Crusoe has not quit. He has fought his butt off to make it to the NBA level. But when you look at his numbers versus who he's going up against... It's really hard to sit here and go, hmm, is Caruso a better overall player? And I actually debated this for a little while because of if I'm including their, co their college and the professional stats, it's hard to say, yeah, I look at what Johnny Manziel did and give him a slight advantage. Don't get me wrong. Johnny Manziel is probably the greatest A&M quarterback of all time. And nobody's ever going to beat that. That's just the reality of it. Because of the hype that went around him, the numbers that went with him, the storyline that you know followed him throughout his career. But he put AM on the map. I mean, that's really the best way to put it. He made AM the school it was. And he did it in two years of work. 2012, he has a redshirt freshman. He would throw for 3,706 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions, also tallying 21 touchdowns on the ground. He also would be the team that would defeat Alabama inside Bryant-Denny Stadium, showing that the Aggies and Kevin Sumlin at the time were ready to contend with the greatest conference in college sports at the moment. He would take home the 2012 Heisman Trophy winner, becoming the first freshman to ever don the award given out to the best player in college football. 2013, another similar year, 
429 passing attempts for 4,114 yards, 37 touchdowns, but with the out of touchdowns came the out of interceptions. He threw 13 that year, and he was limited to only 759 rushing yards and 9 touchdowns. He actually had better stats his second year than he did his Heisman year, but he wasn't as multi-tooled as he was during that incredible 10-2 freshman run. So for his career at A&M, he had a 68.9 completion rating, over 7,000 passing yards, 63 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, and a QBR rating of 164.1. He also rushed for over 2,000 yards and scored 30 touchdowns on the ground. It then goes to his NFL career, which never, ever went well. Anywhere he went. He was drafted with the uh, 22nd pick in the 2014 NBA NFL Draft. He would play in five games during his rookie year, having a completion percentage of 51%, throwing for 175 yards and two interceptions. He also had one touchdown on the ground. The next year, he played in 10 games, had six starts, threw for 1,500 yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, did not score on the ground. He was later released that offseason due to off-the-field concerns surrounding the hype of Money Manziel, and he has never played another down in the NFL. He has made stops in both the Alliance of American Football, where he played in two games, throwing for 61 yards and an interception. He also had uh, a career for one year in the Canadian Football League, where he threw for 1,290 yards, five touchdowns, and seven interceptions. His NFL career and post-NFL career has just not gone well for him, but he's banked off of the history that he had at Texas A&M. For that reason alone, Manziel will move on. And it's going to be hard for him to not defeat anyone else on this list because I'm looking at the numbers and you just look, anyone around the country, you say Money Manziel. You know what you're getting. You know exactly who you're talking about and you know exactly what is going on. Alex Caruso, if you're not a Texas A&M fan and you're not an NBA fan, you probably don't know the name. You know the name Johnny Manziel. And for that reason alone... I, I love what Caruso's done because of I get the underdog story and it's something that I pride myself on in my line of work. But I look at this and I go, no, it's Johnny Manziel. We still have two more matchups to break down. They both have a shot to probably have an upset and we're going to be breaking those down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking about Texas A&M doing our bracket, our NIT style bracket because that's what A&M probably would have been playing in. We've already broken down our top two matchups. The number one seed, Von Miller, of course, defeated the number eight seed, Asa Lacey. And the number seven seed, Alex Grusso. He gave me a run. He really did. But in the end, Money Manziel moves on. We're moving on to our next three, two matchups. Four players. Let's start off with our number three seed, Kevin Smith. Smith played for the Aggies in 1988 to 1991. He played during the time that they were in the Southwest Conference. During his four-year career with the Aggies, he intercepted 20 career passes. He was really thrown at as a senior because of everyone viewed him as an elite shutdown corner. For his career, 20 interceptions, three that were returned for touchdowns. He also made a name for himself in special teams to punt return touchdowns. An All-American in 1991, he was an all-time leader in A&M history for career interceptions, a semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, and he is in the Texas A&M Athletic Hall of Fame. He has been 
one of those players that once he got to the NFL level, it was there, but it wasn't. You know, he was drafted with the number 17 overall pick in the 1992 NFL draft, and he would be a major contributor on the outside for the 1992 and 93 Super Bowl teams for the Dallas Cowboys Super Team. But on the flip side, the reason why Deion Sanders came to Dallas was because of Smith tore his Achilles at the start of the 1995 season. From there, everyone knows the story. Dallas would go on to win their third Super Bowl. And while Smith was able to return and play alongside Sanders for a few seasons, it just never really happened. Injuries continued to pile up, and he retired after nine years with Dallas. He spent one year in history as the Texas A&M football color commentator with Dave South. So he's a name that a lot of A&M people know because of what he was able to do at both the NFL level and at the college level. But... There was another player who also did a lot at the NFL level and the college level, and that'd be Ross Stripling, who now plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers. South Lake, Texas native, played college baseball for A&M. He threw a no-hitter for the Aggies against San Diego State on May 12th in 2012. I think that was the second or third most recent no-hitter by an A&M batter. He finished the 2012 senior season with a 10-4 record and a 3.08 ERA. Playing in 16 games. He was drafted in the fifth round of the 2012 MLB draft by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Since then, he's kind of had an up and down career. He made his major league debut on April 8, 2016. He started off pretty strong, uh, going seven and a third innings without giving up one hit, but was removed for a relief pitcher after throwing 100 pitches in that game. He appeared in 22 games and made 14 starts with the Dodgers, going five and nine with a 3.96 ERA. He also appeared as a relief player. In the postseason for Los Angeles, allowing five runs in two and a third innings. He also became a key member from the bullpen and picked up his first save on 2017, throwing three scoreless innings against the Chicago Cubs. He would appear in 49 games after that, including two starts, with a 3-5 and five record and a 4.15 ERA. He threw three scoreless innings over five games in the postseason, including three games in the 2017 World Series. Uh, he ended up becoming a... Uh, All-star in the 2018 uh, series season. He wound up throwing in 33 games, including 21 starts with an 8-6 record for a 3.02 ERA. In 2019, he, once again, back-and-forth kind of player, kind of multi-tool guy, appeared in 32 games. 15 of them were starts going 4-4 with a 3.47 ERA and 93 strikeouts. He now is on a deal for $2.1 million to play for the Dodgers in 2020 whenever the season rolls around. So you have in history a guy who's been to a championship and a guy who's also been to another championship at the highest level of the sport. One was a two-time winner. One was a two-time loser. I think Kevin Smith wins this out, but it is a lot closer than I would have imagined when you really break down the history of both players. Finally, we have two more names to go with, and let's start off with our number five seed. That would be DeAndre Jordan. Now, here's the thing with Jordan. I want to put him higher, but I can't, because if he only spent one year at Texas A&M, Following playing for the 2017 Team USA Under-19 World Championship Leagues in Serbia, he would arrive to College Station. He wanted to play for Billy Gillespie, but he had left to go play, go coach at um, 
uh, Kentucky, so he chose to honor his commitment. He started in 21 of 35 games as a freshman. He averaged 20 minutes and 1.3 blocks per game. In those games, he shot a team high of 61% from the free field goal range, but also a team low of 47%. He finished his season with 7.9 points, 6 rebounds, and was named a Big 12 All-Rookie for his efforts. He declared for the NBA draft the following season. Since then, his career in the NBA has been solid. I mean, there's no other way to put it because he has had, I don't want to say an up and down year, but he's just, he's never been an elite player. Although he has been a guy who's gone to multiple, multiple games, multiple, uh, you know, he's been to uh, how many, one all-star game. He's a first, he's a three-time defensive third team, all player, uh, two-time defensive uh, rebound leader, two-time uh, defensive third-teamer. I mean, he's he's made a name for himself overall. But you look at his, his career, he's played in 819 games for his field goal range. He has a record of 67%. He's averaged 28.2 minutes per game, uh, 9.6 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game. The problem is he doesn't shoot the three, uh, but he does also not have that great of a field goal range percent I mean free throw range percentage 46 percent there's a lot to say that you wish more out of him but at the same time he's been a serviceable player at the NBA level same goes for Travion Williams for Texas A&M when it comes to the college level for his career he has 600 carries for 3,615 yards and 34 touchdowns 66 receptions 561 yards and one touchdown you look past the numbers of him in the seven overtime game, uh, but he put up in that year, 2018, 1,855 yards in his first two seasons. Then during the 2018 season, he rushed for 1,760 yards and 18 touchdowns. It was by any measure one of the greatest seasons in the history of Texas A&M football for a running back. Since then, he was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. He only played in one game last year. So when you compare the two, they kind of match up very similar. You don't know what Williams' career is going to be at at the next level, but he does have the all-time single-season record for a running back in the maroon and white. Same thing for DeAndre Jordan, where it's the flip side. You know what he was able to do at the NBA level, but maybe he could have had better stats coming out of college. So each of them really only had one breakout year, at their respective game. I'm going to go with the upset and I'm going to go DeAndre Jordan because of when you look at what's in the backfield for a team like Cincinnati, Joe Mixon. Uh, they also have a plethora of draft picks this year. If they don't think Williams is the guy, they can use it on another runner. They've always had Gio Bernard back there. Williams is kind of in a mixed place right now. You don't really know if he's going to be anything in the NFL. And if that one season, that 17-60-18 touchdown season is his best year, you're still talking about him with a guy like Darren Lewis and Curtis Dickey, who both are players who have better numbers all time and will be on this list later. I'm going to go upset. I'm going to go DeAndre Jordan. So there you have it. First round done. Let's break it down. Von Miller, the number one seed, of course, moves on. Number two seed, Johnny Manziel, will join him. Kevin Smith earns the number three seed win over Ross Stripling. And DeAndre Jordan, the number five seed, he gets the upset. He moves on. They will face off against each other. So there you go. DeAndre Jordan versus Von Miller. 
Kevin Smith, Johnny Manziel. Who will be the winner? We'll be breaking those down next week, but that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we'll be doing our next line of the bracket. Is Miles Garrett or Mike Evans in this bracket? Where does Michael Waka fit with his fastball and what he's done at the major league level? We'll be breaking down all those players and more tomorrow, so you don't want to miss the show. But also, you don't want to miss some other great podcasts, such as Locked On SEC, Locked On ACC, and Locked On College Football. So go ahead and check those out. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.